ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯತಿ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ we were studying that portion of the third chapter of bhagavad gita the third chapter namely the karma yoga where we find bhagavan is explaining that even for a realized soul there need not be cessation of action that even after realization though he has no selfish need to pursue his action but for the welfare of the entire human kind the technical term which has been used in the bhagavad gita is loka sangraha so for loka sangraha for the well being of the entire human kind to is chalk out a path which others may follow he still continues with his actions then it not be the cessation of action we found that he gave the example of king janaka and after giving the example of king janaka he is citing his own example so in the 23rd sloka which we read in the last class before we proceed just we try to find out that what was the idea which bhagwan was speaking of ತದಿ ಹೇಹಂ ನ ವರ್ತೆಯು ಕರ್ಮಿ ಅತಂದ್ರಿತ ಮಮ ವರ್ತಮಾನುವರ್ತಂತೆ ಮನುಷ್ಯ ಪಾರ್ಥ ಸರ್ವಶಃ ಸೊ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಸೇಂಗ್ ಯದಿ ಹೀ ಅಹಂ ನ ವರ್ತೆಯು ಕರ್ಮಿ ಅತಂದ್ರಿತ ದಿಸ್ ವರ್ಡ್ ಅತಂದ್ರಿತ ಇಸ್ ಎ ವೆರಿ ಸಿಗ್ನಿಫಿಕೆಂಟ್ ವರ್ಡ್ tandra means to slip tandra means to go to a state of swoon it speaks of relaxation atandrita is a negation of that that what is saying yadi hi ahang if i na varteyam jatu karmani i do not continue to work atandrita without any relaxation and then what will happen if i now and then tend to relax then know it for certain o parth arjuna that all the interhuman kind the men and the women they will follow my example in every way mama vartma anuvartante whatever i do that they will follow they also will tend to in action so that's the thing which we found that bhagwan as 
is citing himself as an example. So we will find that sometimes there is no need for work but for setting out an example for others, for motivating others, action is prescribed. Just like a father at home, he does not need to play with toys, but children need to. So we will find that the father also joins with the children to play with toys just to encourage them. So that playing with the toys is something beneficial for the children. It helps in their in, in their this growth of their mind, growth of their intellect. So for the children, playing with the toy is something which is having some benefit, having some implication. But for the father, it is not required. But to encourage the children, he also joins along with the children to play with the toys as if he is also enjoying it. The child feels father also enjoys like me playing with toys. But that's not the fact. He is having nothing to do with the toys. It is just to encourage the child to play with the toys, to engage himself in that way so that his mind develops, his intellect develops, the father plays with the toys. So that kind of communication with the children and the parents is necessary for the growth of the children. So here also we find that Sri Krishna is a divine incarnation. So he was as if, then some scriptures they say, Dehastopi na Dehastha. That though he is within the body, he is not of the body. He is as if not in the body. Dehastopi na Dehastha. That though he is in the body, but still actually he is in real sense, he is not in the body. That's what the scriptures say about any divine incarnation. Their birth, their birth, their life is for lokavattu lila kaivalyam. So everything they do simply like a way of sport, just like acting and acting. They're like actors. They in no way identified with the they in no way identify themselves with the role they are playing. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that for a ripened coconut, the shell gets totally detached from the kernel. If the coconut is unripe, it is almost impossible to separate the shell from the kernel. But if it is ripe, if you just take the coconut in your hand and shake it, you will find that the kernel has got separated from the shell. So what's the idea? The real self is in no way attached to the flow called psychophysical existence. The psychophysical existence is a flow. It was, it started at certain point of time, it is going to cease at certain point of time and even as long as it is existing, it is a flow. It is changing, constantly changing. It is going through shadow vikara, the six changes. So, the real self is in no way identified with that. So the man of realization is always aware of that fact. All our actions are because of the identification with the body and mind. The moment we get identified with that, now to preserve that, we have to act. There are certain things which are preferable, which are favorable for life. We have to acquire them. 
something which is not favorable, we have to desist from them. So this attraction, raga, this hatred or this aversion for the things which is not favorable for my existence is dvesha, fear of death, abhinivesha. These all impulse us to act. For him, all such impulsions has fallen off. So there is no question of being motivated to, for action. But he goes on doing all those actions as an example for the entire humanity to follow. Otherwise, they will go wayward. We will find that, just to give an example, when Swami Vivekananda made the rule about waking up early at 4 a.m. at Belurmat, when the monastery was formed, everyone has to wake up at 4 a.m. Now, it was, of course, ap applicable for the novice. But for the one who is a realized soul, the other direct disciples, for them, they have traversed the spiritual path. They are all established. For them, these rules doesn't apply. Because throughout the day, whenever they are awake, when whatever they are doing, they are always aligned. They are always in tune with the divine nature. So for them, there is no need for some discipline. Their life, the spirituality is something spontaneous for them. But Swami Vivekananda made it a rule that even those direct disciples, even he himself, has to get up at 4 a.m. for meditation. And he made it a rule, if anyone missed, he would not be allowed to have his meals at the monastery. He has to go out and beg his food. In India, you know, the traditional monk every day goes out and it is called Madhukari. Means, uh, Madhukari is a very interesting idea that you have to beg food at least three houses you have to go, minimum, and maximum five. You shouldn't go to more houses, more than five, and it shouldn't be less than three. The idea was Madhukari, just like the bee sucks honey from the flower in such a way, it doesn't affect the flower. The flower, uh, it doesn't die, it doesn't get dried off. The flower continue to exist. It takes just a little bit of honey. But this by collecting little bit of honey from many flowers, it also gets its own nourishment, its own nutrition. It creates, it makes the honey by collecting little this nectar from all the flowers. So what's the idea? That you beg your food not by affecting anyone. That it shouldn't in any way be at the cost of others earning because people have to endeavor a lot for their earning so you shouldn't go and just depend on them but take a little which doesn't affect him in any way so that's why not less than three so if you go and collect from one house you will be actually uh, creating a pressure financial pressure on that person so just take little so not less than three, from three houses. Let your meal be divided into three houses and not more than five. The idea is that if you don't get your meal, sufficient meal even after three, begging at three houses, you may go to the fourth, you may go to the fifth and if you don't get, still if you don't get sufficient, you have to stop there. Thinking that, that to for today, this is sufficient. 
because otherwise you will be just wasting your time begging your food you won't be giving spending your time for your spiritual practices so you have become a monk for your spiritual practices for your contemplation and now you will be just begging throughout the day so take it for uh, just for certain take it for certain that today god has provided me this much only so whatever you get from five houses be sufficient be satisfied with that don't go for more than five houses so that was the rule so swami vivekananda asked the swamis to follow that traditional way of begging the days if they miss that waking up at 4 am so it entails a type of penance tapas and why swami ji made this rule but for all he himself also followed that rule even he himself you had to go for begging if he by chance for any reason couldn't wake up at 4 am it happened the other direct disciples also went for begging he was so strict about it the simple reason if he as he used to say that if we ourselves do not abide by these rules how can you expect this novices the young boys will do so so that's the idea yadi hi aham navartyam so walk your talk that's the idea if you really want the people to follow the path prescribed by you you have to walk your talk that's the meaning of the word acharya the one who is through his achara not just through instruction through his way of life achara means how you are performing through his performances he keeps an example in front of others so the illumined souls should be like acharya so through their achara through their performances through their way of life they should set an example for others they should walk their talk so that's the idea which we studied in the 23rd sloka so after that what is saying the 24th so the same idea utsi deyu ime loka nakuriya karma chetaham sankarasya cha kartasyam upahanyam ima prajaha that if i do not do that work nakuriya karma chet aham then what will happen <coughs> this world will perish utsi deyu ime loka utsi deyu means this world will perish if i do not do the work this world will perish how will it perish <coughs> two factors he is saying sankarasy cha kartasyam upahanyam ima prajaha this sankarasy i will be the cause of social disruption that's one thing social disruption is one thing and the other thing is i will be ruining the people means it speaks of as an individual he this if if they as a pers- as an individual if they follow my example of inaction they will be harming themselves and not only that collectively as a society there will be a social disruption so these two factors what is speaking upahanyam ima praja <clears throat> the following the inaction 
each and every individual will become lazy there won't be any interest for work they will avoid work so swami vivekananda used to say <coughs> that <coughs> tamas all generally comes in the guise of sattva in a sattvic who is contemplative he is not acting he is most probably enjoying a deep bliss within but seeing him in action no one understand the subjective feeling of that person that he is at bliss he is not working but the others will be just seeing his inaction they can in no way relate to the subjective feeling of that person and they will just follow the inaction and that will enter into laziness when swami vivekananda as a parivrajak as a wandering monk was going around the himalayas going across the himalayas one day he saw a swami a monk a traditional monk appeared to be meditating it's very cold there so he was fully covered with his blanket sitting and meditating when swami vivekananda went near he could hear the noise of snoring actually he was sleeping so swami vivekananda told immediately told his brother monk just see that's what where our tradition by misunderstanding the perennial wisdom of our culture that's what it has at last ended to there are so many monks in the name of the pursuit of spirituality is leading a lazy life neither it is helping them spiritually nor they are in any way benefit to the society so it is something which is harmful for them as well as harmful for the society so this laziness no interest in work avoiding work so this becomes the cause of the personal degradation and sankara the social disruption so naturally if i do not work i cannot be a part of a team work if you are lazy you cannot interact with others from laziness comes selfishness a very uh, extremely poisonous selfishness that for my own that, that uh, what do you say that comfort i get so much addicted to my comfort zone that i in no way i can be a part of a team just Uh, having my role to play in any society i have to be, be a part of a group a community you cannot because whenever you are in a community you have to think of others interest that's the primary and for that for the time being my own interest is secondary i give others more importance but this laziness leads to that utter selfishness and then as our rangnathan ji used to say that the moment with that type of selfishness laziness when we move out we behave like billiard balls he used to say that billiard balls collide only to be apart it is just creates friction turmoil in the society no one in any way is ready to sacrifice a bit for the sake of social welfare so sri krishna he himself throughout his life 
was not only endearing heart, but we'll find he was meeting the royals, he was meeting the common people, interacting with them to generate a sense of collective welfare. So that's the thing. These actions, again, were not directed for his selfish ends. He was always endeavoring hard. He was meeting others from the royal to the common people, interacting with them, generating a sense of collective welfare. But nothing, not a single of his action had to do anything with his own selfish gains. It was just for the welfare of others. So that's the idea Sri Krishna is pointing out. That even if you realize so, work for the welfare of others. That as Swami Vivekananda made the motto of Ramakrishna mission, this Atmana Mokshartham Jagathitayacha, for your own spiritual well-being, for your own spiritual liberation, and for the welfare of the entire world. So this too should go hand in hand. So in the next two verse, Sri Krishna will uh, Sri Krishna says that there are two types of people, enlightened and the unenlightened. The minority, the vidwan, is enlightened, spiritually enlightened. There are the few. And most of us, as in the spiritual sense, are a vidwan, unenlightened. And what is the responsibility of the enlightened towards the unenlightened? To bring, to just conclude this topic, he brings forth this idea in the next two slokas, slokas in the next two mantras. What he says in the 25th month sloka, Sakta karmani avidvangsa yatha kurvanti bharata kuryat vidwan tatha asakta chikirshu loka sangraham. So this word loka sangraham comes in this 25th sloka. That as an unlight, unenlightened avidvangso, he is attached to his work. As an unenlightened, he is attached to his work, he acts. When an unenlightened, when a person, an ignorant person is working, he has tremendous attachment. The enlightened also should act in the same fashion. Outwardly, it looks as if he is also attached like that unenlightened person. But it is only his actions. Know it for certain, O descendant of Bharata, O Arjuna. So without attachment, in the same way, you have to work. Pure, for a selfish person, the motivation is his own selfish goal. And for an enlightened person, his motivation is the well-being of the world. That is Loka Sangra. It is not for his selfish end. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, very interestingly, that you may say that Loka Sangra is also, what you say, you cannot say it is, uh, what you say, that it is not detached action. That yes, it is not, I am not attached to my own well-being, but I am attached to the well-being of others. So how can you say it is Nishkama uh, karma, that no desire is there. Desire is there. But Sri Ramakrishna used to say very nicely that Michri Mishtir Madhyanoy means generally if you take sweet, you are going to get acidity. But in the olden days, in the Ayurvedic treatment, <clears throat> this sugar candy, if you uh, 
that's crystals the sugar crystal sugar that's sugar candy if you dilute it in water and drink it acts as an antacid in ayurveda they say it cools your stomach your digestive system so michri the sugar candy is not to be considered as sweet michri mishtir modhe noy hinche shak shaker modhe noy generally if you take greens if you are having some uh stomach issues your bowel uh, syndrome this irritable bowel syndromes is there and then the doctor will say yes reduce the amount of greens greens is good but for such in such case you are supposed to restrict your intake of greens but there are certain green which actually help in digestion so this is called hinche shak again in ayurveda the certain green like called hinche so sri ramakrishna used to say hinche shaken modhe noy it is not to be considered as greens michri mishti modhe noy the candy sugar the candy is not to be considered as sugar similarly devotion to god is not to be considered as an attachment thinking of others welfare is also not to be thought of as an attachment so do your actions if you are a devotee with a sense of resignation to the divine as an offering to the divine and for the welfare for the well-being of the world so the motivation of the incentive for work for the unenlightened is for selfishness but why is such selfish drive called unenlightened because ultimately it results in something uh, which is you can say now we say that there is a win-win situation but it is just opposite to that it is like loss loss situation how i will just give an example when i was in india i was in one of the ramkrishna mission center just opposite to our center on the other side of the road the residences there uh, we found a very interesting thing that everyone wanted to encroach a bit more land so that they can enjoy more property as you know that uh, as it, now the things are changing in the previously the administration was not that uh, strict so even if that en- encroachment was there there was no no one to just say them anything and they thought this is well that no one is objecting let us encroach and at last the roads got too narrow and still i remember there was a fire in some home just in in that area that's uh, it was just like uh, you say this um, in india this the slums it like a slum it is there and the roads have become so narrow now the fire brigade came till the main road it cannot enter so if someone is really uh, in need some emergency medical service some ambulance is required the ambulance cannot enter so just by thinking of your own selfish end at last neither you gain nor it's it can in any way be help to the entire society to the entire community so it's loss for both of us so we find that even we may say though it it's most probably an example of the slum but the so called developed this urban civilization there we cannot think of this type of selfishness we are all enlightened but we forget 
the same selfishness do act in a different way there also just few days back i was just reading through an article someone has forwarded it to me that only that 1% of the population is enjoying 50% of the world wealth the 50% of the world's wealth is accumulated with 1% of the population creating a tremendous disparity in the society at last we will find it's like a carcinogenic society no one is benefited by that we may feel that at least that 1% is enjoying no when the social disruption at the beginning it may not be palpably visible but in the long run if you read the history always it has happened that this type of polarization has led to social unrest where the one who is sitting there on the top has been pulled down dragged down by the entire society again and again we find that tremendous social unrest happens because there is a nice saying that if you that you are a we are such a uh, that a, a, a quite big person when you see a small ant the ant is terrified by seeing you if you approach it it will just start moving towards the corner but when it reaches the corner if you still try to go and stamp on it it will give you the last bite because it knows that there is no other way to run away it has been cornered as long as it is not cornered it is trying to run away but when it is cornered then it will give the death bite in bengali say moron kamor before death it will give a bite let just so the same thing happens with the society with all sorts of exploitation that entails from this marginalization from this polarization at last it do enter in thus uh, what is the entire population as if getting cornered all the risk there is no uh, access to the resource you'll find even now even at present because of the war and all what's the main news every day you open that this economic recession the price of the things are they're just rising so high that it that your this purchase the this uh, your power to buy it is going beyond that and that is bound to create social unrest so that's the thing which krishna is also indicating that this unenlightened do everything with tremendous selfishness so a realized soul has to act with that type of intensity but not for that selfish end but for the welfare of others then it will lead to just the opposite the win win situation if the incentive for the work of the enlightened is for loka sangra well-being of the entire world it's for atmana moksha jagat hita it's for its own revelation and for the well-being of all so when one gets enlightened his or action makes him or her the role model for others to follow that's the idea of the loka sangra he becomes the role model so this the detached action in no way speaks of this uh, what you say this half hearted uns- unskilled some disorganized action it's not like that i am doing with full uh, what you say that my uh, focus with all i try to develop i hone up my skills i do it perfectly 
I am performance oriented, not result oriented. I perform to the best of my ability and there it ends. So that's how I develop uh, detachment and not only that, the detachment leads me to the enlightenment and even when I'm enlightened soul, when all my desires have fallen off, my chitta has been cleansed, my mind has been cleansed, I'm established in myself, then also the action doesn't fall off. If we read the Bhagavad Gita really sloke by sloke, nowhere we find the idea of cessation of action has been spoken of. Many will be commenting on the Gita by the idea that actions has been spoken of in Gita just for the one who is not a realized soul. Once you are a realized soul, the action ceases. Action is for Chitta Suddhi. But nowhere in Gita you will find that inaction has been prescribed. Action continues. Only thing your orientation changes. It is a total uh, overhauling of your orientation. It was <clears throat> just for selfish end. Now it is for the well-being for all. So with that type of orientation, you continue to do your work. Then the same work, instead of binding you, becomes the cause of your liberation. Instead of hampering, <coughs> instead of hampering the social welfare, it actually entails in the social uh, upliftment. It's abhyudaya. Social upliftment in Sanskrit is abhyudaya. It results in, it entails in social upliftment as well as your own liberation. Atmana mokshattam jagati tayacha. So the 26th sloka, the same idea is na buddhi bhedam janait agyanam karma sangina. So don't create confusion. Don't unsettle the ignorant by resorting to inaction. So those who are yet to be enlightened, those who are unenlightened, unenlightened, they follow you as a role model. So don't resort to inaction. And that will create confusion among them. Buddhi bheda means to unsettle their understanding. So don't do that. Na buddhi bhedang janayit. Agyana, those who are ignorant. Those who are karma sangina, those who are attached to their action. Joshayat sarva karmani vidwan yukta samachara. So, vidwan should be yukta, should be engaged in their action. <coughs> so, what <coughs> joshayat sarva, this, they should be engaged in the action. But at the same time, by being detached. So that's the idea as a conclusion, Sri Krishna is saying in the concept of Loka Sangra, which he was speaking of, that Karma Yoga for an enlightened soul continues because, uh, from the standpoint of Loka Sangra, it is something which is essential, which is obligatory. They should do it. But <clears throat> because a man of realization, whether they are acting or inacting, that in no way affects their realization. They are established in their realization. So neither seek nor avoid. 
whatever situation the life has placed him he continues with his action without being attached to it and that way he does welfare to the society now <clears throat> this here in this sloka we will find the word confusion that what is saying that na buddhi bhedan janait is very interesting that as we didn't understand the implication of bhagavad gita correctly such a magnificent scripture such a sublime scripture was there for with us for thousands of years but as we never understood its implication properly so if we look at the history of india <clears throat> we will find that the confusion that arose by considering actionless as the ultimate state of spiritual uh <clears throat> spiritually that ultimate state of a spiritually illumined soul that we thought that at last action is meant for chitta shuddhi and in that state when you get established that actionless is the uh, ultimate state of a spiritually illumined soul that resulted in two fold degeneration now the things are changing even in india you will find that even in the past decades even at present also it is there if you take the entire india as a whole if you go to the remote villages you will find <clears throat> the entire civilization has got mummified the way their peoples are living in utter poverty still is something which can is palpably visible if you come if you get just get down in the airport and you just driving by the road even in cities you will find huge barricades here in australia those walls are there as uh, to uh, as sound barriers so that the noise need not pollute the posh areas but in india those walls are not sound barriers those walls are meant to hide the slums the way the people are staying there is something is something unimaginable why that's the idea that that inaction somehow was the idea that a spiritually illumined soul if he is inactive he is actually established in the realization but a general person a ordinary person thinks that i am realized so <clears throat> as sri ramakrishna swami vivekananda used to say that don't think that you have become king janaka janaka was a king who was sitting in the throne he was the royal king he was uh, take uh, taking care of his responsibilities but at the same time he was detached so the idea which we studied just now dehastopi na dehast ado in the body he was not as if in the body and most of us start thinking that i am that we are janakal say in shami shishya sangbad swami ji is taunting that you are really janakas because janaka was is means the historical king janaka and janaka means father but you this totally inactive people and this only one thing you have done you have 
bigoted so many children. So that way, you, that you are all Janakas, father of so many children, utter poverty. You don't know how to manage the family. It has become big. That way, you are Janaka. It's an extremely uh, un, this unenlightened people's extremely unillumined life. So just in dire poverty, they are staying. There is no uh, motivation for personal growth and if you speak to them they will speak that i am detached i don't have this so much attachment to this this worldly uh what you say this um, uh, prosperity i am detached but as we were saying that tamas always comes in the disguise of sattva so the entire civilization got mummified you will find the progress stopped and not only that, in, uh, it, it even didn't entail in spiritual illumination. <clears throat> if in our life we will find that if you just uh, not, uh, you are not up to the ideal, you have just, you are just trying to lead a life as per an ideal, but you are not up to that, then you will start pulling down the ideal, you will drag down that ideal. So in India you will find in the name of religion so many superstitions, wrong practices, evil practices started. Just because as we cannot be up to that ideal, we drag it down. So this twofold, the society got mummified and in the name of religion all sorts of superstitions, evil practices cropped up. So there was neither Abhudaya nor Nisraya. And for thousand years we find we cannot deny the fact it happened. Why? That we never understood the true implication of our own scriptures. So that's what Bhagavan is saying in this sloka that na buddhi bhedhang janayet agyanang karma sanginam joshayet sarva karmani vidwan yukta samachar. That one should not unsettle the understanding of the ignorant. Na buddhi bhedhang janayet Ajnana, that they are all attached to an action, karma sangina. So the enlightened one, what they are supposed to do? Oneself should be steadily acting in the spirit of yoga, joshayat sarva karmani, vidwan yukta samachara, and should engage the ignorant also in work by just setting up an example. So that's what Bhagavan is saying in the 26th sloka. So now, the next two sloka is important here just from the standpoint of setting up an example from the standpoint of the society Bhagavan Krishna was giving the example of Karma Yoga and now he will be just giving the this uh, the need for Karma Yoga the efficacy of Karma Yoga he will explain it from the philosophical standpoint in the next two slokas. What's that idea? That we are not the doer. It's a very interesting idea. That if uh, at just uh, I feel like going and drinking water, it is I who decide. I am the doer. I get up, go, get a glass of water and drink. So I, I am the doer, isn't it? 
anything that in our mind so many options are there kartum akartum anyatha kartum and some action has to be done whether i will do it whether i won't do it or shall i do it in a different way not in the conventional way it depends on my choice isn't it that's what we think but here bhagwan will be saying very interesting thing and which is something which can be understood even from the modern psychological perspective that's what bhagwan is now saying that <clears throat> out of ignorance we think ourselves as the doer sri krishna will be elucidating in this next two verses <clears throat> that it is prakriti it is the nature that is working in all of us through the three gunas the idea of guna he will bring here the sattva rajatama three gunas through these three gunas it is the prakriti which is working it is not we who are working so that's what bhagwan is saying let us try to read the sloka and then we will try to understand what he is saying prakrite kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara vimuratma kartaham iti manyate prakrite kriyamanani this is a nature prakriti which is acting through the gunas gunai karmani sarvasha all activities are carried out by the three modes of nature the sattva the raja and the tama but the ignorant vimuratma the one who is in ignorance he is deluded by the false identification with the body that's the ahankara this false identification which results in ego ahankara he thinks i am the doer kartaham iti manyate now what bhagwan is saying here how we can relate with the modern psychological findings is something very interesting now many of us don't understand we just go on repeating that the nature is nothing but constituted of three gunas what actually it means the three gunas sattva rajatama whatever i see is nothing but the manifestation of these three gunas sattva rajas tamas now you will find to understand the true implication of that this three gunas that entire nature is nothing but is a conglomeration of these three gunas this mutation of these three gunas this is it is not that they are like uh, three separate water time compartments intertwined three ropes but sometimes this is the example they give that you know that the the woman will be having their hair they will uh, interlock the hairs they make some reeds and interlock it it's not like that that sattva is not something separate rajas separate tamas separate they are constantly mutating mutating what is this mutation which is going on there so understand what the real implication of sattva rajas tamas let us try to understand the ideas of sattva rajas tamas in our scriptures let us take those ideas and try to find out from all those ideas what these three gunas are and why the scriptures say these three gunas constitutes the entire universe nothing else now 
You know, the scripture says sattva is illumination. Sattva is of the nature of illumination. Rajas is of the nature of action. And tamas is inertia or darkness. So this is one, let us try to uh, compile all the ideas related to sattva, rajas, tamas. Sattva is illumination, rajas is action, tamas is inertia or darkness. Now sattva, again, they say that our jnanendriyas, the organs of perception are pure sattva. Means that our eyes, our ears, our nose, our sense of taste and touch, these are pure sattva. And the organs, the karmendriyas are pure rajas, your hand, your feet, your test, organ of evacuation, organ of procreation. These are pure rajas. And what is tamas? Tamas this is the tanmatras and the panchabhutas. And we think that this outside world is tamas. It's not that way, we can never understand. Now just see, sattva is illumination. How the illumination happens? Anything to be illumined is through the five senses, the eyes, five, uh, what you say, the senses of perception, jnanendriyas. Through the eyes I see, through the ears I hear, through the nose I smell, through my tongue I taste, and through the skin I touch. These sensations, these are the stimuli. So these are sattva. When the stimuli are sattva, and the reaction is rajas. That's why karmendriyas are all rajas. And tamas, I think the panchabhuta, not the panchabhuta outside. The idea of tanmatra is very important. Now how the illumination happens? As Swami Vivekananda used to say, when in modern psychology they say, our mind is not vacant. It's not just simply blank. All the ideas are already there in it. It is inherently, it is there in it. All the ideas are there. But as long as there is something stimuli is not activating your mind. To give a common example, I was sleeping in deep sleep. I wake up, I see a red flower outside. Is the red flower really there outside? No. The light falls on that flower and the, it's reflected. It comes and touches the retina of my eyes. And when it touches the retina of my eye, what happens? That light's function is over there. It's not anymore functioning there. The light's function is over. Then, it, the it, nerve sensation passes through the optic nerve. It is passing through that optic nerve. It reaches your brain. This nerve current is reaching your brain. And that particular nerve current, when it reaches the so-called color perception center, it is, the color is as if projected by your mind to give you a sensation that the flower is red. So what's the idea? The various ideas of the colors, the various concepts of the shape, the concept of smell is already there in the mind. External stimuli just evokes them. They were all sleeping, they were dormant. So all this tamas is what? All the ideas, all the concepts, 
which I have of this external world, they're already there in my mind. My mind is not a vacant thing. It's already there sleeping. It is dormant. It is there sleeping there. The external stimuli invokes them. Just see how tamas is being mutated into sattva. Then when I see the flower, then my karmendriyas become active. As per my temperament, I may feel like going and plucking the flower, offering it to the divine, or I may use it for decoration, or I may allow it to be in the garden. I just go and water the plant so that it may, the flowers may bloom. So all these various actions I am doing as per my temperament, which speaks of the karmendriyas. So just see what is happening, that all the ideas are already there in the mind. They are called tanmatras. Why they are called tanmatras? These all ideas are all very discreet. That in a, just when a flower I am seeing, that for a, uh, most of us, uh, what I think that the flower as a whole is there, the red color, its shape, its fragrance, everything is entering through my senses to give the picture of the whole flower in my mind. But it never happens that way. The redness is perceived in the color perception center. The shape is perceived in the shape perception center. These are all separate centers. The fragrance in the perceived in fragrance perception center, smell perception center. So all this then conglomerates to give you a sense of whole. All these individual small discrete sensations conglomerates to give you a sense of whole. So these discrete sensations are called tanmatras. The words are very important. Tanmatra means tatmatra. Only that. Only that. Only the redness. Only the shape. Now when they conglomerate, they become panchabhuta. All these tanmatras conglomerate to make it bhuta. So these, all these tanmatras are there hidden in my mind. The, their potency to conglomerate, to give a sense of whole, is already there in my mind. The external world acts as the stimuli with its five senses. The stimuli immediately invokes the ideas in the mind to create the sense of a whole, the flower or whatever it may be. And then my karmendriyas, based on that idea, idea which has evolved, evolved on my mind, my karmendriyas, as per my temperament, induces me to action. So now, does this world exist for anything which is not living? Does the sun know that the world is? It doesn't know. It's only we as a human being or any creature. For them, this universe is there. It is I who am certifying. How? Because the stimuli creates that ideation and from that ideation, comes the reaction. So from a simple microbe to human being, this is the thing which is happening. So Sattva Rajas Thomas speaks of what? At last in the modern language, it is nothing but stimuli response conditioning. The entire universe is, con is constituted of that, nothing else. Certain what actually is there outside, no one knows. How my mind projects it, that I know as we are all projecting in the same way. That's why we say that this is the reality. It is not an absolute reality. It is a consensus reality. 
so this consensus reality has been produced because of the projections of the mind hallucinating in the same way so what's the idea this entire universe is constituted of this stimuli and this stimuli is evoking the already available concepts already con this fund of concepts in our subconscious mind they're invoking them to create a sensation of the whole and then we are reacting to that so now the entire prakriti is working based on that so the nature constituted of this three gunas sattva rajas tamas means sattva is the illumination the stimuli rajas is the action the response tamas is the inertia or the darkness which speaks of the panchatanmatras and the panchabhutas so now it actually is that this we have understood that this is actually speaking of the stimuli response conditioning so this stimuli response response conditioning will be resulting in the formation of the mental modules we will just give a very uh, small example that what happens the moment you respond to a stimuli just take a small bacteria that we don't have one mind even in modern psychology they say that we have various subsets of mind each subset each module has a particular stimuli response conditioning based on the environment external environment a particular module at it gets activated at one time at one time there cannot be more than one module which gets activated at at any time only one module will get activated which will get activated it depends on the external circumstances there is no one mind to command that you get activated or you get activated there is no one commanding they are all there based on the external circumstances one of those modules will get activated and it has already fixed stimuli response conditioning you are bound to respond in that the the module which has got activated as per the stimuli response conditioning of that module you are bound to respond but somehow that because of that ahankara we get associated with the ego it is acting in its own way but it gives us a feeling that i am acting i have decided to act this way so bhagwan is actually speaking of this idea that <clears throat> the prakriti is working in its own somehow our ego gets uh, we gets uh, attached our ego gets attached to it and it gives us a sensation that i am doing i am the doer so it needs a bit more explanation that how the mental modules are formed stimuli response condition we understood now how the mental modules are formed in the process of evolution just take a small bacteria when you give some nutrient it is drawn towards it if you give some toxin it is it will be uh withdrawn from it it will run away from it so what it speaks of that when you are giving some nutrient it immediately it starts forming a new mental module it's a growth mental module that for my growth i have to sustain on this nutrient so you are drawn towards it so this creates a growth module and then that fear of poison that creates that your self protection module you have to protect yourself so now you will understand in the process of evolution 
each and every stimuli response conditioning is getting hardwired in our mind to create innumerable modules. So these modules are there in my mind. Now as per circumstances, one of them get activated. It takes its own decision, but giving me a feeling, it is I who am taking the decision. And from that comes the sense of karta. But actually, as per the situation, the mind is acting in its own way. So if even from that psychological point of view, we can try to understand the working of the mind, we shouldn't be having a sense of attachment to the action because we are not the doer. The nature is working in itself. So this is the idea. In, in a short nutshell, we try to explain it. It will need more, we will need uh, a little more uh, illustration on it. So we will continue with this slok again in this next class, this 27th and the 28th, to elaborate this on this idea that why it is being, Bhagavan is saying that we are not the doer. And how this idea is actually something which tallies with the modern psychological finding and how it can lead to the uh, idea of karma yoga where we are supposed to act, act in our day-to-day -day life as per the circumstances. Our mental modules are bound to act in a particular way. It is they who are acting, it is not me who am acting. So we should be acting in a detached manner, not trying to identify our ego with what we are doing. So that's the idea which Bhagavan will be saying in the 27th and the 28th sloka, which we will discuss again, again in the next class. So with this, we stop, stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.